Hello, we ghosties. I'm Chance Lee. And I'm Amanda McAvoy. And this is That's So Gothic, a movie podcast about girls, guys, and haunted houses. This year, 2023, we are awash in legacy sequels from Scream, Jurassic World, Creed, Halloween, Ghostbusters. But we're going to go back in time 40 years to one of the first. So grab your towel and hop back in the shower. It's time for Psycho (laughs) 2. Presented by the district attorney. Norman was not convicted of murder. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Don't you realize they're going to release a homicidal well, maniac? You sit down, Mrs. Loomis. It's all too obvious. Our courts protect the criminals, not their victims. Norman Bates is judged, restored to sanity, and is ordered released forthwith. It's 22 years later, and Norman Bates is coming home. I own a motel not too far from here. And you'd be welcome to spend the night in one of the empty rooms if you'd like. Good night, Mary. And he's back in business. Who is this? My mother is dead. I'm telling you, there was a note on that wheel from my dead Norman, it couldn't be your mother. It had to be someone else. I trust her. She would never do anything to hurt me. No. She'll kill you. I know she will. No, I... I won't do that. You can't make me... kill her. 22 years later, Norman Bates is home. Psycho 2. It's starting again. Released in 1983, Psycho 2 was directed by Richard Franklin with a script by Tom Holland, not Spider-Man, but the director of Child's Play and Fright Night. It stars Anthony Perkins, Vera Miles, Meg Tilly, and Dennis Franz. And this is uh, the sequel to Psycho. It's about Norman Bates being released from a mental institution and trying to reacclimate to life in normal society. Mm -hmm. So this movie was a big hit. It made $35 million against a budget of $5 million. Mm-hmm. And the this series would continue with two additional sequels. Uh, 1986's Psycho 3, which would be directed by Anthony Perkins. Mm-hmm. And 1990's Psycho 4, The Beginning, which mm-hmm. was made for Showtime and a prequel film to the mm-hmm. series. So this has a 61% critical tomato and a 58% audience tomato. So not, not, not what I thought it would be a little higher, maybe, but people must be a little lower. Really? Yeah. (laughs) I guess that's fair. It, because people are going to compare it to the original. Right. And Ebert gave it two and a half stars, which felt generous for him. He, said that if you can accept this movie on its own terms as a fresh start and put your memories of Hitchcock on hold, then Psycho 2 begins to work. But he also says it's too heavy on plot and too willing to cheat about its plot to be really successful, but it does have its moments and it's better than your average run-of-the-mill slasher movie. Mm. Okay. I mostly agree with that, I think. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely think, especially about the part about pausing your you know, expectations. (laughs) Yeah. I think this is a really neat way to do a sequel. Like they're not trying to, they're not even, they're not trying to like recapture the magic of the original or redo it in any way. Like it's its own movie and it continues the story of the original one. 
Right. And I think this movie too is very much of its time. Like it's very 80 slasher and psycho oh, yeah. was, you know, very much it of its time. I mean, mm-hmm. it was pretty inventive, but it was, you know, more of like a neo noir. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. This one has those slasher elements. It has some pretty gnarly, gory scenes in a couple mm-hmm. moments. Mm. And it has extra nudity, stuff that they couldn't do in the 60s. Right. Quentin Tarantino prefers this, prefers Psycho 2 to the original. He thinks this is the better film. Interesting. And yeah, he said that in an interview on the website Ain't It Cool News. Um, that's a website that doesn't exist anymore because its founder was <laughs> accused of sexual misconduct oh, no. um, by multiple writers. So okay. there's that. But that's where Tarantino shared that bit of information. Um, <laughs> but this is, I think this movie's largely forgotten. Um, mm. I was Googling longest time between sequels. Mm. And I found a list, I forgot where it was, that they posted when Hocus Pocus 2 came out. Because there oh. were 29 years between Hocus Pocus and Hocus Pocus 2. Mm. And Psycho 2, not on the list even though they ranked them in order of like time between sequels and psycho two would have fit on this list around like, honestly, like third or fourth place. Really? Yeah. So they had top gun Maverick, which was 36 years. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I never thought of it that way. Wow. Yeah. And coming to America, which I've Mm. never seen either one of those, but there was an Eddie Murphy sequel 33 years later. And it was 19 years between the third Indiana Jones movie and the fourth one. Mm-hmm. So that it would have fit near the top of that list, but they right. didn't even include it. So wow. I thought that was interesting. Um, and then I don't know why I thought of this while watching it, but this is a universal picture. We have the mm. universal logo and okay. universal is known or got it start with those classic movie monsters, Dracula, yeah. Frankenstein, the mummy. Do you think Norman Bates is, a universal movie monster. Ooh. You know, there's been, there's a whole franchise now around this character. That is a really good question and a really good way to think of it because it's, I almost equate like the house in Psycho with like Dracula's castle and that it's Mm -hmm. like so iconic. So yeah, sure. Make them one of the, yeah, I love that. I think so. And you get the similar kind of stories where, you know, this you add some new characters for the sequel. Right. You have the prequel origin story for one of them. Right. He gets turned into the sympathetic figure yep. in this one. He becomes yeah. the hero instead of the villain in a way. Right. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that idea. Well, I was going to say that um, Universal too, they were trying to bring the um original monsters as a cinematic universe back with uh like tom cruise's the mummy i remember mm-hmm. was part of it and then there was that um vampire movie where they made him like it looked like it was like a a sexy neo you know like from the matrix vampire movie what was that okay. called i don't uh, remember that one oh like dracula untold or something Okay. Remember that's sounding kind of familiar. I was so excited for those movies because I love the classic Universal monsters. Actually, like I love the Hammer horror movies. Like they're great. But uh, no, I would love to see them do it right and do it with Norman Bates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because those they didn't stick. I think they also have Benicio del Toro as the Wolfman in one of them. Oh, really? I don't think anyone saw that. Oh, and yeah. you were right. It was Dracula Untold. That's what it was. Yeah. Luke Evans was Dracula. Yes. Hello. I act- I've never seen it, but my brother actually loves it. So it's been on my okay. watch list for a while. Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to right. check that out. Yeah. Potentially a podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can have a Dracula <laughs> month sometime. Ooh. Since, the Bram, since Bram Stoker's Dracula is completely distinct and separate from Universal's <laughs> Dracula because of their copyright issues. Totally separate. So, totally different. <laughs> so 
let's get into the plot summary for Psycho 2. Mm-hmm. They do, <laughs> they kind of treat it like a Rocky movie where they show <laughs> a scene from the original at the beginning. <laughs> and like, I, I love that the Rocky, every Rocky movie begins with the last scene of the previous one. Yeah. And when you watch the marathons on TV, it's like you have to watch the last scene twice. Right. <laughs> so they open with just the shower scene from the original yep. Psycho for no reason. Yeah. Um, except I guess like, I mean, home video wasn't, is prominent in 1983. Mm. So I guess they're assuming maybe people have not seen this shower scene in a while. And mm. maybe that's why they include it. But that's it true. feels like a different cut. Like it feels yes. like the Janet Lee character is a little more exposed than she actually was in the original one or would have been. I feel like they've done some body doubling and added some stuff in to make it seem to make it seem like as sexy and violent as people would have remembered, but not yeah. how it actually was. Right. Yeah. I actually, when I was watching this, my first thought was that they refilmed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you're right. Maybe there was some some trickery there. Yeah. It just it's a little weird the way they do it. It's like an extended cut or something yeah. of it. Right. So then the movie officially begins in a courtroom. We learn that Norman Bates is being released after 22 years in a mental hospital. Mm-hmm. And that is something else that I think makes this that legacy sequel because they're taking it's coming out 22 years later. They're yep. setting it 22 years later. Right. They're not trying to pretend this is like two years or something <laughs> like that, even though right. everybody's 20 years older. Yes. So they, they've taken these characters and really evolved them. And so Lila is there. She was Marion's sister from the original, played by Vera Miles, same actress. Mm-hmm. And we learn her name's Lila Loomis, which means she did marry Sam yeah. after the events of the first movie. So I guess Vince Vaughn was right. Maybe he had seen Psycho 2 and <laughs> realized that Sam was interested in Lila after all. Yeah. So Lila is protesting this release. She has a petition and she's complaining that the courts protect criminals and not their victims. She mm-hmm. says he'd murdered seven people. And she says, when he murders again, you will be directly responsible. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's like five minutes before we even see Anthony Perkins face, the cameras behind him for most of the time. Mm-hmm. So he has this very nice doctor, Dr. Bill, who drives him back to his house, the iconic psycho house. He has a little bag of groceries that has some total cereal and some Nabisco (laughs) saltines in his bag. There's lots of food product placement in this movie. I was going (laughs) to say, it was one of those things where I felt like I was the stupid public because I was like, is that product placement or are they just like really bad at like hiding labels or something (laughs) every time you go into his kitchen there's different there's like a different box of cereal or like a different dry good like position directly where it's facing the camera in his cabinet yeah (laughs) and i'm gonna actually i'm gonna share a link with you Mm. watch this and react okay So what I'm sending you is a 1990 commercial for the cereal Oatmeal Crisp. This -hmm. would have come out the same year as Psycho 4. And in this commercial, it has Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates eating cereal in the Bates mansion. (laughs) Wow. I am very excited. I can already tell by the thumbnail he's wearing a great turtleneck. So. do what mother tells me but i never could eat oatmeal until i found oatmeal raisin crisp now this is oatmeal made my way crispy flakes with oatmeal a bit of brown sugar and loaded with raisins and almonds oatmeal raisin crisp it's scary how good it tastes oatmeal crisp oatmeal raisin crisp look mother i'm eating my oatmeal now that's a good boy Oh my God, that's incredible. <laughs> Look, mom, eating my oatmeal. <laughs> and you see the rocking chair at the top of the stairs and the mother talks. It's like, this is 30 years after Psycho and they're just putting right? him in a, like, a cereal commercial. <laughs> oh my God. That's, that's very iconic. I really like that. I would buy that cereal. It still exists. <gasps> we have to get some. 
I think I used to eat it. I couldn't remember if I had seen that commercial or not. Yeah. But I think this is just another check mark in the yes, he's a universal monster column because eventually they right? lose all sense of horror and just become yes. like yeah. cuddly little marketing material, uh, little right. marketing agents. <laughs> I mean, literally, there's like Frankenberry and Count Chocula. Like, it's just. <laughs> yeah, they should add a Norman Bates version of of um. <laughs> Of that cereal that has like little yes. marshmallow knives or something. Oh my goodness. Norman baked oatmeal. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something That'd like that. Good. Yeah. That, or the Ben and Jerry's flavor like that would be good. Yeah. We need more Norman <laughs> Bates um, <laughs> propaganda. We do. We got to bring him back. Yes. So back to the movie. <laughs> so yeah, there's lots of, anyway, lots of product placement in this movie. Yeah. So we meet um, Dennis Franz, pre NYPD Blue. He plays Mr. Toomey. He's the manager of the motel. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how this works. He seems to have been assigned there by the state, like to manage this property. Yeah. In Norman Bates's, is it because maybe it's because he was never actually found guilty of the crimes or something like that. And I don't know if, if it's, it's just bizarre. a weird plot loophole, but right. an attorney can can call in and write in and tell us about that. So yeah. Norman returns to the house for the first time. And also we as viewers, if this were 1983, are coming into the house as the first time. Mm-hmm. They play this nostalgic violin music. And mm-hmm. Norman finds this note that his mother would have written like 20 years ago. And he starts to hear her voice. And we get this flashback in his head of her dying of being poisoned. And he sees himself as a child reflected. And that's actually Anthony Perkins' son, Oz oh. Perkins, playing him as the young boy. Oh, and that's sweet. he's a film director now. He hmm. did that creepy Hansel and Gretel from a few years ago. Oh, it interesting. Was, it was very visually very visually engaging, but kind of mm. hollow plot wise. Interesting. So Norman also has gotten a job. They're trying to reintroduce him to society. So he's going to be working at the little diner down the street. Mm-hmm. They've got a Miss Pac-Man machine. So it's a great place to work. <laughs> he's going to be the cook's helper. There's uh, an elderly waitress named Mrs. Spool. Mm-hmm. She works there and she says, I think it's very Christian to forgive and forget. <laughs> that'll come into play later yep and we also meet mary samuels and there's an article that i was reading trying to find some trivia about the movie on this website called 80skids.com mm. and they pointed out that that was marion's alias in the original movie when she signs in oh. at the bates motel that's cute i never noticed that oh wow there's a couple little cute callbacks like that in this. Right, movie. right, right. Yeah. Bad idea for, you know, kind of spoiling ahead a little bit, but bad idea to call her that is like, what if Nate's record, Nate, uh, what if he recognizes it, you know? Yeah. They're not very good at plotting, I think. Yeah. Just as Norman's not a good liar, they're not going to end up being very good at this. <laughs> yeah. Turns out. So she's a fellow waitress. Mrs. Spool says she has a heart of gold, but a head of wood. And she she immediately breaks a plate and Norman takes the blame for that. And when he hears her arguing with her boyfriend on a payphone outside, mm-hmm. he offers her a hotel room. He says, I own this hotel. You can stay there. And we learn she's only been working at this diner for four days. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the timing's all very convenient. Suspicious. Mm-hmm. So at the hotel, Norman goes to get her the key. He kind of, his hand hovers over room one where the murder took place in the first movie. So he gets a different key Mm -hmm. and he goes to check the room first and finds drugs in the room. (gasps) And this, he's, it's very like Nancy Reagan, just say no. Norman (laughs) Bates is furious that there are drugs in this hotel room. He's mad that Toomey has turned this into a no-tell motel (laughs) and he fires him on the spot. And Toomey says, at least my customers have a good time. <laughs> Dennis Franz has some good lines in this movie. Yeah. Such a dickhead, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he's so, he's so mean. And um, he does tell him too that he's like, 
doing the best he can. He kicked some kids out last week. He found fornicating in the basement of the house. Right. And that's some foreshadowing as well. So Norman goes to make the only meal he seems to know how to make, which is sandwiches and a glass of milk. Yeah. And he, we see Quaker Oats and Lipton tea in the cupboard <laughs> here. Yep. <laughs> so um, someone at General Mills must like love, love Norman Bates since they, they did that commercial later. Right. That, that, it's like an ad exec. That's like, can we get Anthony Perkins back for love this? Love that guy. <laughs> so, um, Mary, uh, well, he has, there's like a big butcher knife. He opens the drawer. There's a big mm -hmm. butcher knife in it. And the violin music is like, -ra -ra -ra, you know, like when he, <laughs> as soon as he sees it. Yeah. And Mary wants a knife to cut her sandwich. And he's like, uh, I don't have a knife. And she's like, that's weird. And she finds the knife and gives it to him. And I'm like, why can't, why can't this bitch cut her own sandwich? Right. Yeah. <laughs> God. They say, they say chivalry is dead. <laughs> like, what is she shape. doing? <laughs> she acts so bizarre in this opening act. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense later, but I right. don't know what her point is of giving her the, giving him the knife. She's yes. like, hopefully he'll try to stab her. Like, what is the deal here? <laughs> yeah, right. So she's also like insistent that she wants to sleep in his mother's bedroom. <laughs> yes. <Very laughs> Which again, intense. ends up being... It ends up being part of this plan. She's going to be in on this plan. Right. And this will all make sense later. But right. she makes him take her up there and they go into mother's bedroom and everything's like draped and covered and rolled up. Yeah. And I guess the, um, we'll get into it later when we talk about the house, but a lot of the stuff in the mother's bedroom were props from the original movie that they were able oh, wow. to recover. So mm. that's pretty neat that it is a lot of the exact same stuff right and he's like well you know you can stay in this other guest room down the hall and the um the bathroom he still has trouble saying bathroom <laughs> which he did in the original one <laughs> I don't know that's an issue for him but he has a hard time saying the word bathroom mm -hmm. so he goes to sleep on the couch downstairs and mary puts a door up under the doorknob and she lies in bed and she reads this book called In the Belly of the Beast, which is mm. actually about the prison system. I looked up oh. that book. It's a nonfiction expose about the prison system. Wow. So I, I thought that was an interesting little touch. Yeah. So the next day, Toomey, Dennis Franz comes into the diner. He's taunting Norman and he's flirting with Mary. Mm -hmm. And Norman's job as the cook's assistant is to pull the order slips off the little carousel. Yeah. And one of them is in mother's handwriting and it says, don't let that little whore in my house again. <laughs> <laughs> so Norman panics. He ends up splashing the poor diner owner with hot oil. Yeah. Toomey flips out. He goes, go on psycho, pick up the knife or do you only attack women? There's mm. a big fight. And big kerfuffle there. And then the note yeah. is gone. And so we're left to wonder, was is this all in Norman's head? What's going on here? Is he losing right. his mind? So that night, Mary comes up to the Bates house with a gigantic block of fudge. And she, <laughs> <laughs> she says this huge block of, it's like gotta be like five pounds of fudge <laughs> just wrapped in butcher paper. <laughs> Girl loves fudge. <laughs> she loves fudge. I mean, I can have like a square centimeter yeah. of fudge and I'm satisfied. Like I, I can't remember the last time I had fudge, but oh my God. I'm pretty confident I could not handle five pounds of fudge. Maybe that's her plan B is to make Norman Bates diabetic and just like <laughs> <laughs> just like they can then hide his insulin and watch him die or something. Like <laughs> That should be a side plot where she's always tried to like feed him sugar and try to like fatten him up or something. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so she, she insists on staying again and she's like, I'm going to go to bed right after I take a shower. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. And so Norman can't resist peeping in on her in the shower. Mm -hmm. We get some body doubling nude shots to remind us that this is 1983. It's not 1960. We can show boobies in this movie. Yeah. So afterwards, Mary, I don't think I ever said Mary's played by Meg Tilly, Jennifer Tilly's sister, yep. Jennifer Tilly, Chucky Queen. 
Yes. So Meg Tilly puts on this tiny pink robe and she goes downstairs and Norman's playing the piano. He's playing Moonlight Sonata on the piano. And I guess Anthony Perkins actually knows how to play piano. So he was actually playing it in the scene, which is cool. That's lovely. Very lovely. And Dennis Franz, meanwhile, is drunk. He's outside yelling psycho up at the house. They're really mm-hmm. leaning into that because they never said the word psycho in the original movie, but they have mm. Dennis Franz yell it a lot. Yeah. So he goes to pack up his stuff because he was also living at the motel. And here comes mother. Someone mm. dressed as mother ends up killing him. Very similar to Arbogast in the original. He gets a cut across the yeah. face. And then we are not sure what happened to him after that. Mm -hmm. So the next day, Dr. Bill comes. He's this very nice psychiatrist from the hospital. He's always coming to check on Norman. He's like the sweetest guy in the movie. (laughs) And he learns that Norman's quit the diner and he's going to renovate the hotel. Mm. And meanwhile, Mary's still staying there. She's back up at the house and she notices the peephole in the wall right and i realized like this peephole is in norman's mother's bedroom mm. like that's where that that's what's on the other side of the wall right so does that imply that norman's mom used to spy on him because oh. norman doesn't we don't see him drilling in that peephole right. and it wouldn't make sense for him to spy on his own mother with the hole in her own bedroom. Right. Yeah, that's a good point because Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I could see it as like his mother using the peephole to like make sure he wasn't up to like nefarious things mm-hmm. in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mrs. Palm of, and her five sisters. Right, yes. right. Yeah, cuz I could see it like the same that's the same reason why you know, she would have it if she did it or if Norman did it in the um, the motel, have the people. Yeah. Mm, That's interesting. True. Yeah. Yeah. So, or maybe it's just a plot hole. Who knows? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Dr. Bill goes down to the sheriff to mm-hmm. talk to him about Norman and Dr. Uh, the sheriff's drinking a Pepsi Cola, very uh, positioned <laughs> towards the camera. Yeah. Um, Norman is painting the motel and he thinks he sees a woman watching him through the window up at the house just where mother would be and so he goes up there and mother's bedroom has been restored all the furniture is uncovered and that cast of her hands is there and that's an original prop that was both in the original and in the 98 remake So they've always kept this and it has a note in the hands that says, get rid of that slut or I'll kill her. (laughs) So Norman's freaking out and I forget why he ends up in the attic and he gets locked in. I don't don't know know why there is a why he just kind of ends up there. I think. Yeah. And then the door shuts behind him. He can't get out. Yeah. So while he's there, these horny teenagers break into the root cellar to smoke some weed Mm -hmm. and mother comes down very this is very 80s slasher the teens coming in to have sex smoke pot get killed yeah so the girl escapes and the boy gets stabbed Mm -hmm. and like titanic hands down the (laughs) steamy window as he dies (laughs) like james james cameron must be a big psycho 2 fan here he's getting He stole that shot. <laughs> he did. He did. <laughs> so um, Norman's still locked in the attic, or as the detective at the end of the first movie would say, or is he? <laughs> because <laughs> the, all of a sudden the door's unlocked. Yeah. And he's been unconscious, and we're left questioning is he losing his sanity? Is he mother? What's going on here? Yeah. So Mary comes back. And the bedroom, she lets Norman out. She's like, the door wasn't locked. And the mother's bedroom is back under all the sheets. And the sheriff shows up to investigate this murdered boy. Because obviously the girl ran to the sheriff's department and reported what happened. Mm -hmm. So Mary helps Norman cover it up. Which makes Norman wonder what's what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Lila shows back up at the police station. Because of course she's heard that this 
boy has been killed at the Bates house and the hotel manager is missing. So she wants them to drag the swamp because she knows that's where Norman likes to dump the bodies. Right. So at home, Anthony Perkins is kind of really overacting. He's just like very <laughs> chewing the scenery with sorrow here. Yes. <laughs> and Mary wants to make him an Irish coffee, which is like, oh, great. Yes. Yeah. So she's going to find some brandy and she goes into the office at the motel and Lila's there. And this is where we find out that Lila is Mary's mother. And this is all a plot to drive Norman Bates crazy. Mm -hmm. So he will get recommitted, which I think is absolutely fascinating and such a great plot twist. (laughs) What did you think about this plot twist? I actually really enjoyed it because I, up until this point, thought that they were going some weird, like supernatural route. I think that's you know, kind of what they were trying to get the audience to think is that there was like a haunting or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I was thoroughly disliking that. Um, so I loved the plot twist. I mean, I thought it was totally over the top, dramatic, weird, you know, but I liked it, you know, I thought it was fun. It's such a neat way to use this old character who, yeah. as Julianne Moore said, didn't get a lot to do in the original yes. movie. And this actress gets to come back 23 years later to play the same role and do some really weird, interesting shit. Like it it had to have been fun for her. I don't know much about Vera Miles or her career, but it seemed like this would have been a blast to do. (laughs) Like this is a dream. Right. So if she was, if this were happened today, she'd be like Jamie Lee Curtis going around and talking about how this is a movie about trauma. Mm, yes yes it's a movie about trauma it's just a movie the body keeps score yes. the movie <laughs> <laughs> so mary thinks that someone else is in the house though because these people are dying um and she doesn't know who's she doesn't think norman's the one killing them yeah and lila's pissed off that mary is now sympathizing with him so back at the house norman's in the um the uh the bathroom and <laughs> he he flushes the toilet and like all this blood comes out of the toilet yeah. there's a bloody rag that's clogged the toilet mm-hmm. and mary is like i'll help you clean it up and while she's cleaning she notices the peephole mm-hmm. and so she goes around to the other side and she peeps in and someone peeps back yeah but Norman's downstairs. She calls out Norman's name and he calls back from the yeah. downstairs. So clearly someone else is there. She gets this tiny, cute little gun from her purse yeah. and goes into the bedroom and is looking for this intruder. She calls the hotel where her mother is staying and mm. she's not there. She hasn't mm. been back. So now Mary's wondering if her mom has snapped and is the one that's been killing people. Yeah. And we get this interesting doubling then because she she calls her mother mother, just like Norman does. And she's yeah. like, all right, mother, where are you? So we're getting these interesting, crazy mother dynamics. Yeah. And so meanwhile, um, Norman says he hears mother, his mother's voice in the cellar. He says she's mm. been calling on the phone. And Mary will try to tell him eventually that Lila's the one that's been calling you and pretending to be your mother, yada, right. yada, yada. They lock themselves in the bedroom, the mm-hmm. tiny bedroom for the night. And um, he has this really weird line where she gives him a hug and he says that she smells like the toasted cheese sandwiches that mother used to make. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that just her natural body odor that I smells know, like right? toasted cheese? The like, what? compliment. <laughs> I know. It's so weird. And the movie plays it so straight. Like this is supposed to be a sweet, tender moment between the two of them. Smells like toasty cheese. Toasty cheese. Mm. So the next day, Dr. Bill visits. Norman's got his iconic black turtleneck on. Mm -hmm. And he has figured out that the whole plot. So he reveals to Norman what's going on. And he says, you know, like mother, like daughter, but Norman's in denial. Nope. He says yeah. it's his mother. He says his mother's not dead. And he starts talking about he has this real mother. Yeah. And 
I was getting very confused at this point, even though yes. I'd seen this movie before. <laughs> I'd completely forgotten where it was going and who yep. the killer even was. So we get this other kind of funny scene where Mary confronts Lila at the hotel mm-hmm. and they get in this big argument. And like, as they're fighting, this <laughs> maid comes and just starts vacuuming in front of them. Yes. <laughs> it's a weird moment of comedy in a movie that's otherwise kind of devoid of broad comedy like this. Yeah. The desk clerk is like halfway over the desk, I like trying say- to eavesdrop. Yeah, like the hotel staff is having a day with it. They love this. They love the drama. And that nosy bitch desk clerk comes back at the end. He like testifies mm. what he heard. Yeah. He goes to the police. Right. He ends up becoming a surprisingly pivotal character. The nosy <laughs> hotel clerk. So the police decide to dig up Norman Bates' mother. This poor woman is like in and out of the ground more than the groundhog in February. Like she's just, it's like the third time this poor woman's been dug up. Right. And they're trying to prove that she's, she's dead. Mm-hmm. And so back at the house though, Nor- Mary's making lunch and Norman confronts her about this, this plot. And mm-hmm. she tells it to him to try to get him off. Cause he's still talking about his real mother. The plot gets very convoluted at this point, honestly. Yes. Yeah. So they do end up dragging the swamp. They find Toomey's suitcase there. They find a car. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, like Lila has gone back up to the house. She has, they've got like a lookalike mother dress and wig mm. under this stone in the basement. Right. And she puts that on, but then like someone else dressed as mother comes in and stab- she screams and gets yeah. a knife like right through the throat. I, ab- I actually like gasped when I saw that scene. Like I was not expecting it. It's brutal. It's, it's brutal. It's really, really, I think it's really effective because yeah. you don't think they're going to one kill off the legacy yeah. character do it in such a brutal way. This movie has been fairly tame yeah. up until this point. And then that, like, you get the practical effect of, like, the knife going through yeah. the back of her head. Like, it's yep. it's gnarly. Oh, boy. Um, and so they, uh, so now we're left again. Who? So we know she's not the killer because yeah. she's dead. And we're going to go back and forth. You know, li- Mary's arguing. Norman's saying he's got this real mother, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. That goes on and on and on and kind of spirals. So it eventually gets to the point where Mary dresses up as mother and is trying to tell Norman to snap out of his delusions. Yeah, I was very confused at this point. I don't know why she thought this would work. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of does weirdly, though. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of does. But he still thinks she's might be his mother but not his real mother yeah and then poor dr bill sneaks up behind her and she accidentally stabs him he goes over the railing of the thing of the house the balcony and norman says he'll he'll cover this up for her Mm -hmm. and there's a really good scene though where she's scared of him he's coming down the stairs and she's like poking at him with this knife yeah she stabs him through the hands yeah and then he grabs the blade of the knife to try to get it away from her and she pulls it through his hand i screamed i was like oh my god it was it's really effective the way they do it and they end up in the basement and she sees her mother's corpse in the pile of coal because he has a mm-hmm. coal furnace yeah at the in the basement so he sees her and she looks like she's been dead for months like i don't <laughs> I know. know what the timeline is here like she looks <laughs> it's really gross yeah and i saw this movie as a child mm-hmm. i i'm thinking maybe in like 1990 maybe the fourth one came out and yeah. my mom and grandmother were like oh let's rent the second one or it was on tv Right. or something and so i only remember the end i remembered the corpse face in the yep. coal all of a sudden that brought back some memories um and then so mary thinks that norman killed her mother so she's gonna kill norman and then the cops come in and they shoot mary yep and she dies 
So Norman's kind of exonerated for this because they police believe Lila and Mary were the one doing all the crimes. Right. And Norman goes back home and he's shoveling coal into the furnace. And they do this weird religious imagery where he's looking at his palms like he has stigmata. Yeah. Crosses his arms over his chest. Yeah. He looks very sorrowful. Yeah. It's very, very odd for this film. Did you watch Psycho 3? I haven't watched it yet, no. There's a lot of religious imagery in that one because one of the characters is a nun. So I wonder if that's where they took this scene and like extrapolated from that. Cause there's not a lot of religion no. in these movies. No. So that w- that stands out a bit. So he goes back up to the house and he's making his toasted cheese sandwich. Yum, and yum. we see the mother silhouette outside, like coming mm-hmm. into the house. It's just the old lady from the diner, Mrs. Spool. Mrs. Spool. And Mrs. Spool. And she sits down and tells this convoluted story about how, she actually is his real mother. Mm-hmm. She gave birth to him and Norma Bates adopted him because she was, Mrs. Spool was crazy yeah. and she had been institutionalized. And so she turns out to have been the murderer this whole time. Mm-hmm. So it's like genetic why he's a murderer and she's talking and she's sipping her tea and you think he's going to poison her. Cause that's how he killed his original mother. Right. He just gets a shovel and just whacks her in the head with it. Yep. It's that scene stands out to me the most from this movie because my I think my own mother thought that was like the funniest thing ever. <laughs> and like because the way they film it, she's just talking. Yeah. And then the camera kind of like is up above them, above the kitchen. Yeah. And you see him just pick up the shovel and just Boom, like just take her out. Yeah. And so he ends up making her into his new like dead mother's corpse that like he used to keep. Put her in the chair and starts talking in her voice again. She's like, I'm not sleepy. Turn me to the window so I can keep my eyes on you. Only your mother truly loves you. (laughs) And then we see them both in the window, the end. Yeah. Yep. So this wouldn't be a slasher franchise without a convoluted plot, but yeah. they, they undo all of this in Psycho 3. Oh, um, do they? they? Yeah, they say, oh, Mrs. Spool, she made that whole story up. Norma Bates <laughs> was actually your mother. Like That's they, hilarious. Pack and undo it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really funny. It's like, right. why couldn't they? They could both be crazy. Like they are right. sisters. Like you didn't have to do that. Like Norma could adopt her from the crazy sister and still be crazy or crazier. Yes. Yeah. Such a strange choice. Yeah. But um, anything we missed on our plot summary here? Um, Nothing I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's very twisty and turny. Yeah. Um, So much so that, yeah, this is like the, maybe the third time, fourth time I've seen it. And I still forgot the whole Mrs. Spool thing at the end, even though the shovel, as soon as he got that shovel, I was like, oh my God, right. This is like emblazoned into my mind. Yeah. So, but yeah, it just gets, it's so, it keeps you guessing. And I think in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, it's fun. You know? Yeah. I, I do recommend this. It's a treat. Yeah. So we will take a short break and we'll come back with our Gothic Roundup. All right, we're back with our Gothic Roundup. All Gothic films have four elements. A girl, a guy, a hound. A hound. <laughs> a Let's hound. just combine it into one. <laughs> a hound and a house. I'm leaving that in. So our girl is Norman Bates. He gets yes. a little switcheroo. He was the guy in Psycho, mm-hmm. but... He gets to be the girl in this one through all of the weird twists and turns of yes. this movie. And it does what a lot of these films do is take the villain of the first movie mm-hmm. and make them the sympathetic hero in a sequel. Cause right. I think by the end of it, you do, you feel bad. Like he actually was cured. Like he was fine. Yeah. He was doing <laughs> pretty good. These people tried to drive him insane. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, it feels like he's getting picked on, you know? Yeah. Like it's tragic. Yeah. It's really tragic. So that makes our guide Lila, 
Another mm -hmm. uh, reversal here. So a lot of times in the Gothic films, the girl is somehow lured in by the guy. So even though right. he's not quite lured in, he is being tricked by her. And Mary is this bait yeah. that she's using. She's using her own daughter to lull him into this, you know, false sense of security and friendship, maybe right. romantic. You never know what's going on because he's like, what, 40 years older than her? Yeah. Like, it's hard to tell. Yeah. The relationship's strange. Um, but yeah, the way she's so desperate to, to get to him and to trick him, mm -hmm. I find, I find fascinating about this film. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because, you know, Mary, I think is a very interesting character in regards to this because she wasn't even born yet when she, she didn't know her, her aunt who was married. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you could unpack all sorts of weird things, which is, you know, that she wouldn't have been born most likely if her aunt hadn't been murdered that's right because that's how they met that's how lila that's how and sam met. like hooked up exactly so i mean there i feel like oh, i hadn't thought about that to unpack in that family dynamic i think it is very bizarre that lila and sam ended up together maybe it's like a trauma bonding thing yeah um but i mean yeah, Lila, she has some issues she needs to to work on. <laughs> I love that she ends up being unhinged because it just kind of at first seems like she's just a cameo. She's right. just the, the old lady from the original Psycho who yeah. we're just going to throw in a couple scenes and let her right. be crazy. And yeah. then she ends up being this mastermind to right. drive someone to the brink of insanity. I was going to actually just say... And then I, as I was thinking about it, I needed to correct myself because originally I was going to say, yeah, and she seemed so like level-headed in the original Psycho. And then I remember like the scene of where she like demands to go with Sam. <laughs> yeah, she was actually kind of, kind of crazy back then too, a little bit. So yeah, yeah. You know, um, yeah, she is, she's, she's got a plan. She's got a plan for sure. She's, mm -hmm. uh, de she's determined. Yeah. So Yeah. So she's, she's an interesting spin on that, yeah. that figure. And our house is, of course, the house. the house. If you didn't listen to our Psycho 98 episode, listen to that. The mm -hmm. house is the same house. It's the same house from the 60s to 83 to 98. They've had this same facade on yep. the Universal lot for years. I guess sometimes they move it, but it's the mm -hmm. same facade the motel did have to be reconstructed mm. and they did keep a reconstructed motel on the universal lot and then so i'm wondering if it's this reconstructed motel that they oh. updated for the 98 remake yeah um because i thought that they were updating the original motel but yeah. it must have been this one because i read that the original one wasn't there anymore right right you really don't see i feel like you do not see a lot of the motel in um this particular movie yeah it's a, a little flip-flop too because the original psycho we spend most of our time at the motel right and the house is in the distance but this time we really get to explore the house we get to learn the geography of the house which actually right. is quite important of where the yep. layouts of the different rooms are mm -hmm. and the cellar and the bedroom with the peephole into the bathroom it does that really good there's a the, the best slasher movies help you understand the geography of where you are right and this one does a really good job of that yeah and which is interesting because like it didn't the, the original house didn't have to do that because they yeah as as Anne h said it had no continuity whatsoever in the original <laughs> movie but it is interesting it actually does work you know they make the original house work Yes. for this film right and they did find so many uh, props and set pieces from the original film uh some of the stuffed taxidermy animals are the mm. same oh, wow. and those bronze hands are the same yeah the bed is the same mm. and the runner on the staircase is the same wow so weird assortment of stuff that they found but yeah and i didn't notice it in the original one or, or even in the remake but there's one scene in this one where norman is in the house and behind him is this large stained glass window huh and i don't ever remember seeing it before yeah that's not ringing a bell to me i thought you were gonna say um because the thing that stands out to me is i think there's a scene unless i'm imagining it where he there's the big clock behind him i think there is a clock 
I think there's a clock. So I thought that's where you were going with it. But stained glass window, I feel like I don't remember. Yeah. And so I was Googling it because I wanted to find a picture of it mm-hmm. and, online instead of trying to find where it was in the movie again. And I guess in the Bates Motel TV show, there's a whole episode about this stained glass window. Really? So the writers go did their homework and saw this stained glass window wow. and like crafted a whole story, I guess, about why it was important to Norma. Huh. But I don't know why it's why it's there. Because you wouldn't think a house like this would have this big stained right. glass window. Yeah. Interesting. And then our haunt. Are we as you said, the movie's kind of trying to make us think, is there a supernatural element? Is mother mm-hmm. haunting the house? But what we actually get is this lack of closure that's yeah. haunting our characters. Mrs. Spool, who wants her son back. Right. Lila's unable to accept that a version of justice that she felt Norman deserved was not doled out by the system. Right. And also in a way we have Norman wants some sort of closure. He's unable to deal with the fact that he did commit these murders. Yeah. And he actually is healed you know the psychiatric treatment over the course of two decades worked if you had dr bill as your doctor i think he would do Uh, a good job and so well adjusted he's so supportive yeah and he's so like i didn't think therapy was good (laughs) in in this time period but like dr bill was a good one and good job and so norman has redeveloped or reclaimed some sort of conscience. And so he's trying to grapple with the fact that he committed these, these murders and how does he reconcile that? So it is pretty interesting. And yeah, how we have the two different plots. Like I wonder if Lila and Mary weren't conspired, weren't in the picture. Right. Would, how would this work? Would Mrs. Spool still be killing people? Like what would be happening here? Yeah, I think that's why the movie feels a little convoluted is because, yeah, like you said, there's two different things happening because Mrs. Spool is killing the people who threaten Norman, Mm -hmm. but she killed, um, what's his face? The motel uh, manager. So I would imagine that would happen eventually. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I mean, technically, Norman fired him because he was getting a room ready for Mary, but he would have found out eventually anyways. So, yeah. It's, and also, it, it leads into all of these questions of, like, would Mrs. Spool... Does, is she... Does she mention, is she, like, committed at the time of the first movie? She must have been. I think so. I think okay. so. Yeah, so just like, I don't know. It's it's very kind of bizarre, mix-up, weird thing with the two. Um, just a lot of women without closure. Very true. Yeah. Very yeah. true. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah very contrived. I, I have to admit that I... Um, <laughs> I agree with Quentin Tarantino. I like watching this movie more than the, at least I, I quality aside, yeah. I would much rather watch Psycho 2 than watch Psycho. Really? I prefer this jam-packed, contrived, convoluted plot <laughs> to the first one where like, it's an hour and a half and like three things happen. Yeah. Like I would, <laughs> that's just my modern, I guess, eighties mentality. Like you've got to, mm. the sensory overload, we've got to just keep going, going, going. Right, you know, there's no, right breathing room no time to set any sort of atmosphere we're just throwing yes. things at you and I grew up then so it's like that's what I that's what I'm drawn to yeah see I think I prefer the original psycho but not for like any fancy kind of reason I just the vibes in that one is a little bit better for me and I really mm. like the focus on the taxidermied animals I love a good mm. taxidermied animal I could watch they, a whole movie they get the backseat in this one, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And they're my favorite part of either. So I feel like I know your answer, Judge, like on how you talk about Norman at the beginning of the movie and him getting out of the hospital. But do you think that he, you know, was served justice? Wow, that's a complicated question. <laughs> yeah. We're getting into just like real world criminal justice issues. <laughs> I would say yes, because yeah. if you think about it, I mean, the 
intention, the mm-hmm. stated intention of justice is rehabilitation. Right. So he was rehabilitated. Mm. And, you know, and he, if this, the events of this movie hadn't happened, and he, honestly, even though the events of this movie are happening, he yeah. only, the only person he kills is the crazy woman who has been killing everyone and right. says she's his real mother. Yeah. So it did work. Like it worked in the context yeah. of this film. Like it actually is the ideal of what justice should be. Yes. And, and it worked out better if he had been in jail, he probably would have been mm. murdered, you know, or right. just like, like more psychologically damaged. So yeah. having him institutionalized and rehabilitating him mm-hmm. worked out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's what I would have said. Psycho 2, who would have thought big advocate for like mental health care reform in this country, like just the need for quality mental health care. We all need a Dr. Bill in our lives. Yes. Yeah. And prison reform. That's why she was Mm -hmm. reading that book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Lila's the crazy, like Lila's practically, Lila's clearly would have wanted the death penalty. So I feel like this movie is anti-death. It's a (laughs) slasher movie that is anti-death penalty. (laughs) Wow. So we we have a couple bonus gothics in this one. Mm, we have a right. panano. We haven't yes. had a panano in a few movies. So yes. it's nice that the panano has been brought back. Yep. And I had raised the question about whether or not Norman's mother was spying on him. Yeah. And even though it doesn't happen in this movie, I started watching Psycho 4, the beginning. Mm. And they do seem to be heavily leaning into this incestuous relationship between Norman Mm. and his mother that may, that starts with her and is not necessarily reciprocated by him. She's having this attraction towards him and it's, it seems very messy. I don't know if I'll finish that movie, but one of our bonus gothics is incest. So we've got a little, little, a little sprinkling of it on the top of this one. (laughs) <laughs> little pepper, <laughs> little, little cayenne <laughs> on the top of this one. So yeah, there yeah. is that. All right. So those are our gothic categories. To recap, we've got our girl, Norman Bates, guy, Lila, house, the iconic Bates manor, mansion, whatever it is. Our haunt is lack of closure. And we have our bonus goth gothics, uh, panano and a sprinkling of incest, a pinch of incest. So a um, little pinch from mom to, to son. Yeah. So what do you think? Is it, is it gothic? We decide, is it uh, so gothic, goth-ish or no gothic? What do you think? Personally, I think I would put it on the lower end of goth-ish. What do you feel? I agree. And I think this is goth-ish. And spoiler alert for our Psycho episode, we decided Psycho was not gothic. (laughs) (laughs) We decided Elvis was so gothic and Psycho is not gothic. So Psycho 2 is is somewhere between Psycho and Elvis on the gothic scale, (laughs) but closer to Psycho. (laughs) But I do think it's a joke. Yeah, no, I don't know. It's it's so funny because I feel like like a conundrum, I guess is the best way to put it. Because I feel like the only thing in my mind that makes this movie a little goth-ish is my opinion of Psycho, even though I don't think Psycho is gothic. Does that make sense? Okay. Sort of. I mean, because this movie wouldn't exist without Psycho. Right. It relies on that foundation. Yeah to be built upon right it's a very my brain is having a hard time wrapping around it this is one of the weirder franchises for sure especially when you think about the remake that we talked about yes and just the weird stuff that that they do throughout this series yeah i think it's a hard one to talk about in the lens of gothicism you know um yeah we're lacking um, some of the more traditional Gothic elements, but right. we do get a stronger sense of entrapment and manipulation in this one that was missing yeah. from the original. Yeah. And I like that we spend more time in the house with yes. this and the house really gets to become its own character 
instead of something that's just looming in the background yes. in the original. Definitely. I think that this, the second um, psycho has more of that psychological element, um, which very much surprised me. Cause like I mentioned the first, you know, half of this movie or whatever, I was really thinking it was like weirdly supernatural or something. So, um, but I think it ends up being very much like a psychological thriller. And I think that lends it a little bit more to the, I mean, some people would say the original psycho is a psychological thriller. I personally would not. So um, I think this one lends itself to it. Just a, a, a dash more. I, I agree. The characters yeah. are more interesting in this yeah. one. Yes, I agree. Well, there we go. We've decided that Psycho 2 is goth-ish. Right. But yeah, so thank you, Ghosties, for listening to us break down Psycho 2. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And tell a friend about us if you know anybody who likes movies send our podcast along we've done episodes on bram stoker's dracula interview with a vampire jane Eyre. those are some of our more popular episodes mm-hmm. that you can share for those who may not be into tawdry 80s slashers <laughs> with episodes for everyone um you can drop us an email at sogothicpod at gmail.com comments and suggestions for future films and follow us on Instagram for hints about what we'll discuss next. All right, everybody stay ghosty. Bye-bye. Bye.